0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: This is the Financial Times podcast in association with City Index.
0: Would you save with a bank paying virtually no interest? We assess your chances of getting 0.1%. Could you buy shares in a bank exposed to European debt? We assess the arguments for and against. And what should you do if your bank hikes its mortgage rates? We assess some non-standard standard standard variable rates. All this to come on this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Elaine Moore. Hello. And Tanya Poli. Hi. And our special studio guest, the FT's investment banking correspondent, Megan Murphy. Hi. Let's start, as usual, with the money news. This week, it emerged that banks are paying some negligible rates of interest on a large number of accounts. But they're also making it almost impossible to keep track of the best savings deals. Research shows that they are speeding up the rate at which they open and close their best-paying accounts, maximising their chances of appearing briefly in the best-buy tables, but minimising your chances of getting a rate that stays competitive – One building society is currently on the 37th issue of its Easy Access Savings product, each new version offering a slightly different rate. These rates don't last long, however. Most rely on a short-term bonus, and once the bonus period ends, accounts generally pay less than average returns. Elaine, for savers trying to find a decent return on their money. This is infuriating.
2: Well, it is sort of. It pays off for the people who go out looking for the best rates. So what we're seeing happening is that the banks and building societies, they're still desperate for funds from uh, retail customers. That's you and me putting our money into savings accounts. So they're trying to offer some very competitive rates. You can get more than 3% on an easy access savings account at the moment. And if you think about the fact that the Bank of England base rate is 0.5%, that's sort of incredible. The reason that they will offer this amount, though, is that they will not provide you with that rate for very long. So that particular account, that's three point one two percent from Nationwide, that includes a bonus of one point five eight percent. So after a year, basically the majority of that rate disappears.
0: But it's it's not um, you know, just accounts that have bonus rates lasting a year. It's it's this practice of almost every week a a new account being launched. But if you've locked into the one from the previous week, uh, you, you can't move into the the new version.
2: Absolutely. it's It's churning, basically. What they're doing is they're rolling over the savings accounts with the best rates. They shut them down and then they open a new one. But if you're in that first account that was paying out 3% originally and then after a year it's suddenly paying 1%, you might be surprised if you look onto the Best Buy table and see your same provider with an account that sounds exactly like your one that appears to be paying, say, 2% or more than 2%, more than you are yourself getting. And that's what some of the campaigners have been saying to me this week, that they think that maybe banks and building societies don't make it clear enough that this is what's happening. And although the banks say that they do write to customers, they tell them when the rate is going down, they're not required to offer to move them to an account that pays more.
0: And if you end up in an old account, the bonus rate has long since gone, some of the rates can fall really far, can not they? We're looking at uh, uh, things that that are paying less than 1%.
2: We have some research that's coming out on Saturday, so I can't say too much about it yet. But the figures for the number of accounts that are now paying out barely anything on the money that you put into them, it's gone up a lot this year. Uh, So that means that there's a lot of people out there who are receiving pennies on the money that they've put away. And again, it's it's banks and building societies relying on our inertia. They're relying on the fact that we might move our money once, but we can't be bothered to keep on chasing the best rates all the time.
0: And just a, a little bit more on this uh, 37th issue of this, the same account. Well, it isn't the same account, is it? Because it's, it's a paying a different interest rate from the 36th issue, which is different from the 35th.
2: At the moment, they're not doing actually anything wrong by this, we should say. So this is Manchester Building Society. It's 37 issues of its premier notice savings accounts, an easy access account. So if you put your money in, you can move your money out again. They're not actually locking customers into anything. They're not making them accept a particularly low rate. So they say that they write customers when the rate's gone down. But what's happened is that, say if you're in the first... 36 versions of this account it's very likely that you're not going to be earning very much at all if you're on the 37th version you're earning more than three percent so that's fantastic but which have said to me that they see no reason for a provider to be issuing this many versions of an account that's basically the same we know the reason that they're doing it and it's to try and get more publicity
0: yes exactly and do, no one's going to make 37 uh, account transfers <laughs> In, into a new account so it is quite cynical in that respect
2: It is absolutely and what it means is that if you've been left into an account that's paying barely anything you need to be looking out for uh, some of the higher rates because there are some quite good rates out there One piece of advice that somebody said to me is that if you want to be sort of chasing some of the best rates maybe something to do would be put some of your money in lock it into a, a fixed rate because you can get some sort of fairly good deals right now 4% from some providers and then keep a little bit of money in an easy access save means account that you can keep moving so you can keep running with the accounts that are paying the most.
0: Which could be a good compromise until issue 38 of this uh, savings account comes out. Um, Elaine, thanks very much. And for more on the banks paying low rates of interest and our exposé of the pension providers who pay you even less and then pocket the interest themselves, make sure you read the news pages of the money section in this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, what you can do if your cheap standard variable mortgage rate suddenly gets a lot more expensive. First, though, bank shares. Two weeks ago, it looked as if Europe's battered banks had gained some respite from the government debt crisis. When European leaders finally agreed a comprehensive plan for resolving the situation in Greece, bank shares soared. A 106 billion euro recapitalisation plan appeared to boost confidence and led some analysts to believe that bank's share prices may have finally bottomed out. But another week, another crisis. A collapse in investor confidence in Italian government bonds has already brought down the broker-dealer MF Global. And as Italian bond yields soared into the danger zone above 7%, renewed fears of default and a break-up of the euro sent bank shares tumbling yet again. So, with Lloyds Banking Group and Royal Bank of Scotland already warning that they will miss key performance targets, who'd want to be a bank shareholder? Megan... You look at the banks every every day. Um, are there any bank stocks that that look like good investments right now
3: um we 're going to be looking at this in detail on saturday 's money section, but what we 've tried to do is take a sort of forensic look at banks across the spectrum. Because what I think the key issue we're seeing here, and and you rightly hit on, is just such a collapse in confidence across the sector amid the worsening sovereign debt crisis in the southern eurozone. The eight banks we're going to be looking at this weekend, their share price has tumbled by an average of 37% so far this year. You know, have we reached the bottom across the sector? Or are we going to be now, or should investors be looking for individual stocks that are likely to stand out due to a differentiation of their model, due to sort of factors that in a more regulated climate that they can shine and stand out more than some of their competitors? And I think that's the real key question for investors. The sector moves largely in lockstep now on share price. I mean, on the days you see big declines, you know, at Barclays, at RBS, at Lloyds, you see declines across the sector. But analysts increasingly see, and what we're seeing Through our reporting, is that banks have shifted strategy and that more individual methods of navigating the climate we're in right now are emerging, and therefore there are perhaps limited stocks that shareholders think about buying.
0: So let's well let's take a look at uh, at at these one by one. Um, Of those whose strategies appear to be uh, more robust, which would you pick out?
3: Well, interestingly, although I would hate to make any investor predictions myself, so I'll go with what the analysts say. Interestingly, among sort of the European bank sector, the stock that most analysts pick out as their top pick is surprising to many is UBS, the Swiss group that has, what anyone would say, has lurched from crisis to crisis (laughs) since since the early part of last decade, let alone um, recent woes that have struck it, including a $2.3 billion rogue trading scandal only in middle of September. And the reason is almost slightly counterintuitive because EBS um, had huge problems during the crisis where it was forced to write down 50 billion in toxic mortgage debt um, and had an ongoing sort of snaggle with U.S. regulators over alleged tax evasion by some of its wealthiest clients, Um, then compounded by this rogue trading scandal, which forced Swiss banking legend CEO Ozzy Gruber to fall on his sword. Analysts actually say that's going to accelerate their restructuring and therefore will force them to make much tougher court choices about their portfolio, focus less on investment banking, which is very difficult for them in certain areas given their lack of scale, and shift more resources into its flagship private banking unit. And therefore people say that UBS as a model with a you know sort of top class private bank, which has much more scale, much more reach, um, and is still a real top quality franchise across particularly in emerging markets as well. That that model in the climate we're in, where investment banking returns are going to be so severely depressed, is is a, is a very good one. And that as long as they're bold enough about the restructuring, that that could be, you know, that could offer real opportunities to shareholders. The other stock that, you know, is continually picked out is obviously Standard Chartered, which has suffered less falls than its UK rivals and its European rivals, its American rivals. And that's because it has really uh, modeled itself as an emerging market bank with an ability for investors to tap into the only markets that are really growing right now and whose um, and whose growth has not been as severely impacted by the deepening eurozone crisis. So those are two that really stick out and that hopefully we'll be talking about. I mean, of course, there's opportunities in every stock, depending, on if if executives can execute on the on the strategies they've put forward, even Lloyd's Banking Group, you know, which has drifted down to 27p in the wake of this very shock, um, temporary standing aside by this by the chief executive due to stress. I mean, there's still people who believe that you know that franchise with its just immense uh, market share in the UK market offers huge opportunities if they can get the right you know, management in and can survive this latest, this latest round. But you have to have a stern stomach to get into this sector right now. You,
0: you certainly do. And, and I imagine many of our listeners will be uh, shareholders in Lloyds Banking Group and Barclays and uh, and RBS and their stomachs have probably been churning a little uh, of late. If the key then is uh, speed uh, and depth of restructuring and growth prospects, um, which are the the banks that are, worse positioned or less well positioned.
3: I mean, I, I can disclose to listeners of this podcast, we are not going to be um, singling out RBS this weekend just because we think the depth of sort of the restructuring that has to go on there is is, is too much of a project to really identify much upward movement for shareholders right now. Um, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, there are many people there who feel that the sort of problem that they have in the U.S. in terms of getting rid of the legacy of their ill-fated foray into the U.S. subprime mortgage business with the purchase of Country Ride at sort of the worst possible time will continue to drag on that for a significant amount of time and that they just simply do not have any traction. So those are the two I think that people single out as being very difficult rebuilding projects um, and that, again... You know, caveat emptor.
0: Exactly, and just finally, um, a couple of weeks ago, we saw this um, rally in bank stocks briefly, and, so, and some did suggest um, perhaps uh, they'd, they'd hit bottom. Have you seen any evidence of sort of major institutional investors moving into uh, certain of the banks?
3: No, we haven't really seen that huge motion yet. I think there was a sense, as you said, when the original Greek bailout program was signed. Um, There was this momentary wave and a feeling that things, uh, there was at least a credible plan for moving forward. In the absence of that, that plan broke apart after literally a weekend. And given what's going on with Italy, um, I think institutional investors have appropriately exercised caution.
0: Yes, caution still appears to be the watchword here. Megan, thank you very much indeed for that. And for a bank-by-bank analysis of the case for and against holding these shares, make sure you read Megan's special double-page feature in the Money section of this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, mortgages. This week, another lender announced that it was increasing its standard variable rate due to the rising cost of wholesale funding caused by, you guessed it, the Eurozone sovereign debt crisis. In the past, this wouldn't have mattered too much as very few people ever paid the SVR. It was the rate that you ended up on after your fixed or tracker rate period came to an end. And then you just took out another fixed or tracker rate deal. Now, though, with banks unwilling to lend to customers with limited equity in their properties, more borrowers have been left sitting on their lenders' SVRs. It wasn't really a problem while these SVRs were low, but now that they are rising, and they're not linked to the Bank of England base rate, so they can rise at any time and by any amount, it becomes more of an issue. Tanya... What's been happening this week? Who has been putting up their SVRs?
1: Um, Well, actually, we've had um, Handelsbanken, which is a Swedish private bank. They've basically confirmed to um, mortgage brokers that they will be increasing both their um, base rate and their SVR by 0.25%. That takes it basically the base rate to 1.75% and the SVR to 4.75%. And actually, one of the interesting things about Handelsbanken, it's actually going to affect most of their mortgage customers on tracker rates because. Whereas um, maybe the high street banks tend to base their tracker rate off the Bank of England base rate, Handelsbank can have their own base rate, um, which they basically will tra- they will you know, price their mortgages based on a margin above that. And they often also base a lot of their tracker discount products um, discounted off their SVR as well. So these changes are going to basically affect everyone. They basically confirm that they're going to be writing to their mortgage customers this week. and I think they're prepared for a bit of flack actually around it.
0: Uh, well, I, I, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I suppose Bank is a bit more of a sort of niche choice. Um, might not. Might not be. Um uh, the bank that everyone is uh, is borrowing from, but they're not alone, are they? I mean, are other people have been affected they're by not, this.
1: No, um, so basically, earlier this month, um, we also had two of Lloyds Banking Group's brands. Um, it was Bank of Scotland and the mortgage business, which are actually currently closed for business now. Um, they closed during the downturn, and they explicitly lent to people on self-cert loans, um, you know, subprime stuff as well. So they increased their SVR from 4.84% to 4.95% and they again blamed it on the kind of wholesale rising costs and that's particularly going to hit those people who have little equity or are unable to really move elsewhere. But we should point out that actually it's not just those people who have little equity that are sort of stuck on SVRs. A lot of people are on SVRs because... A lot of the rates are very low, you know, they're, they're better off staying on these kind of SVRs. You've got Lloyds Banking Group and C, I think CG, they are on, on 2.5% at the moment. So for most people, it doesn't make much sense so far to remortgage away. Um, the other thing that we've seen this week, is basically emerged that um, about 14,000 mortgage customers um, that are currently with Bank of Ireland, they're actually part of a loan book sell-off to the mortgage work. So Bank of Ireland are basically transferring this Book of Customers, um, to the Mortgage Works, which is a subsidiary of the Nationwide Building Society. And that's that transfer is expected to happen at um, the beginning of December. But what's subsequently emerged, all these Bank of Ireland customers are mostly sat on this um, low SVR rate of 2.99%. But basically, the Mortgage Works has the right to amend this to their SVR, which is actually at um, 4.79%. That's that's a a, big increase. It's a jump of like 1.8%. I was speaking to... um, the mortgage works this week and they did say that they um, you know, they had the right to amend it and they will probably will look to do so in the future, but they're not going to take it with immediate effect. And if they do, it'll be like phase changes and they'll let, obviously, customers know. But it's one of those things which those customers obviously need to factor in, I think, is it worth staying on that rate, or should I should I look for, to remortgage now?
0: Well, uh, uh, and it, the the question of the the options open to you um, is a key one because mm-hmm. uh, if you're if, if you're sitting on an SVR because you can't get another deal, yeah. two point nine not a problem yeah. goes up to four point something, and suddenly you, you, you're facing great difficulty in your re- repayments and cannot remortgage.
1: Yeah, I mean it's going to be quite big big pain for some people. I mean I should point out with that specific deal. Um, the Mortgage Works have stressed that actually the average loan book is around sort of most customers are on an average LTV of 50%. So they're probably going to be okay. Because um, they've got enough equity yeah, in their property. Yeah, because they've got enough equity in their they property. property. They can pick the best deals yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, so they're one of the lucky ones. that Actually, they probably know that they've got quite a lot of choice out there. Um, at that kind of loan-to-value, you've got very competitive deals still, even though there has been these rate rises that we've talked about across the board, um, what with the Eurozone um, sovereign debt crisis.
0: And just finally, given that... Um, Rates, not just SVRs, but as you point out, certain tracker rates can mm-hmm. move independently of the Bank of England base rate. Is it worth looking at deals where there's no charge for switching if you decide to la- to later move out away from a more expensive lender?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of the um, brokers I've been speaking to this week have said that most of the mortgage stuff they're doing at the moment tends to be on lifetime trackers with no early repayment charges, um, just so that people can like opt to obviously you know, maybe move on to a fixed rate when they feel that rates are going up so much. Um, The other choice is to go for a fixed rate and tie yourself in now. Um, There are other options. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that a lot of um, lenders don't, they're not very good at actually porting the mortgage these days because they get a bit worried and they get sort of a bit worried about criteria and that kind of stuff. So, that, there means, are, that means taking your mortgage, taking to, your another mortgage to another property. Yeah. So, if you are kind of thinking of moving in five years, um, that might put you off going for a five year fixed rate. But there are other options out there. Coventry Building Society um, has actually got quite a good range of um, even fixed rates, which come with no um, early repayment charges. So, that basically means you could move you know, at any point if you, if you decide that you want to move home and that kind of stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, so if you want flexibility. Uh, make sure you check out the redemption charges. Tanya, thank you very much indeed for that. And for more on SVRs and mortgage switching, make sure you read Tanya's articles in the money section of this weekend's FT. That's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you will find all of these stories, plus daily news updates, blog posts and top tips on the website ft.com forward slash money you can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash ft money and if you'd like us to answer a question about any aspect of your finances just email us at ask at ft.com next week we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from elaine Tania, and our special guest megan murphy from the ft
3: goodbye. goodbye
1: this is the financial times podcast in association with city index